0: welcome to the sarah centrella show join best-selling author master life coach and manifesting expert sarah centrella as she shares tips tools and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life it's time to hustle and thrive now here's your host sarah centrella
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are getting ready to hustle and thrive. And today I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest, um, Brittany Russ. Uh, Brittany Russ on with us today, and she is an advocate. Um, we are going to get all into how she started her nonprofit, um, which does really powerful work around the world, um, especially in India. She is also um, – a new mom. She has a new uh, new baby. She has two new babies <laughs> under yeah. three, I believe. Um, so <laughs> you've got your hands full right now. Um, you are also an MLB mom and wife. Um, so welcome to the show, Brittany. Let's just get in it.
0: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here.
1: I am so excited, too. And we met... Um, gosh, a year and a half ago maybe at the WAGS conference uh, where we were both speaking. And I have to tell you this, like, it's going to sound like I was hardcore girl crushing on you, (laughs) which probably is what it was. Uh, But I literally uh, looked up at one point and I see you walking towards me. And you guys have to go follow Brittany. She is just, she's one of those people who radiate from inside. You just shine. I don't know what else to say. I don't don't mean to be, like, too cheesy here, but... um, Literally, she walked over, and I was like, who
0: is this person? <laughs> like, what Stop. is she no, all about?
1: Was the same it was crazy.
0: You, I will never forget you walked up to me. And it was like we knew each other. Like you were like, I know, yeah, we, we were like, hurry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like we were like meant to be friends because I literally was like, okay, why can't every woman be like this in a room full of women that we don't know? And you, it you was were just crazy.
1: It was just like instant. <laughs> I was like, who is this person? I have to know her. Oh.
0: Um,
1: yeah, you really do. You really just have that um, glow that. I think few people naturally have that just radiates um, goodness and good energy and love. And so, of course, when, um, and I didn't even know anything about you before we walked into that room. And so then I heard you talk and how passionate you are about activism and giving back. And um, so let's, let's start there. Let's get into how you started your organization, um, Mission 108,
0: and Why? Yeah, I think this is like one of the most common questions I get. So I did a lot of international development work uh, through starting right when I got out of high school and then up until when I got married. And then I married, like you said, a professional baseball player, and that opened the door for – other opportunities, Um, and so I went to several different countries and then went to, uh, on a trip, a short-term mission trip with an organization, I won't name them, but it was like one of the worst experiences of my life, and it was the first time that I had, I really, recognized what it meant to um, hurt while you're trying to help, and Mm -hmm. I kind of swore off ever doing mission trips again. I didn't see the purpose of short-term mission trips. It was just this, for anyone who doesn't have, um, like, a mission trip background, it was, it just felt like we were this team of Americans that were coming in and doing all of this work that I felt like it would be way more um, sustainable if we just, Either taught the Haitians how to do the work or partnered with them. And it was very mm-hmm. American leader based. And to paint the picture, it just felt a lot like Americans were working, Haitians were sitting around, Haitians were looking at us like, we can do this work. Uh, why are you here? And Americans were right. kind of taking selfies with poor little black kids. And I hated it. It was awful. Um, and so I came back to the States and was like, I'm done doing, I had done a lot of work in Africa before that, but I was like, I'm done doing short-term mission trips. Well, six months later, I found myself in Uganda. I was also pregnant at the time for the first time.
1: Um, wow. Learned
0: about human trafficking. Yeah, it was, um, I'm writing a book about this whole experience. But in Uganda, pregnant, wore off mission trips, but I'm doing one, and I learned about human trafficking for the first time. My mind was completely blown. I like to say that my soul was undone. Uh, anyone who's ever had kind of like this moment in your life where you are sitting in your own skin and you're like, "I know this is a pivotal moment. I just don't know uh, what yeah. that's going to look like." I had, yeah, you know that feeling where you're Absolutely. like, I need to this. But yeah, I don't really it's know it's happening why.
1: live, and I don't know what, what is calling me, but I know yes. I'm never going to be the same.
0: Yes, yeah, so that happened to me. I uh, learned about human trafficking for the first time, came back, and a series of, like, what I call divine events happened um, and just knew that I needed to devote my life to human trafficking. And then following that, uh, or anti-human trafficking work, following that, I ended up miscarrying that pregnancy into following pregnancies, and then that led to infertility. And the story is very like intertwined with the adoption of our daughter. And like you said, I just had um, a biological daughter. But in that season, I think what, like looking back, what I think I was really doing was I was seeing God rescue survivors of human trafficking, which is the darkest industry in the world. And I was in the middle of the darkest season of my life. And it was this Oh. Um, kind of questioning God of if you can rescue them, then maybe you could rescue me. And um, so, probably when I met you, I was, I was, I had just adopted our oldest, our, our yeah,
1: I daughter, think so. a couple
0: months before that. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I had just decided to write the book and I thought she was like the ending of that book. And then several months later, I, and that I was pregnant um, and I was told wow. I would never carry, yeah, I was told I would never um, be able to carry a biological child without the help of medicine and uh, medicine was wrong. So here I am. Oh my um, gosh.
1: There is yeah, so much I want to go agenda. into with that. There is so just, much. Um, it, I mean, just incredible. There's so many miracles in that. There's so many um, life-shifting moments and, and probably – Deep, deep, deep awakenings (laughs) for you on all kinds of levels. Let's start with um, kind of one of the first things that that you had said when you have that moment, and I've had many where I feel them as they happen, like just like you described. Like I know this is a life-altering moment. I'm not exactly sure why, but I know I will never forget this time, this place, like what I'm wearing, like everything about it. You just you know, and I think a lot of people have those, but maybe they don't yeah. do anything with it you know what i mean maybe they don't follow it For up sure. because either they don't know how they feel helpless and especially something as massive as um you know modern day slavery human trafficking how did you kind of go from i feel this i know i'm called to it it's such a massive problem how how did you move through that to actually take action and Start making change knowing what a, a huge thing you're taking on. I think that would have discouraged a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I think I've always been um, a person that's – I'm not a daredevil. Like, I can never skydive. I have no interest in that at all. But put me on an airplane in a foreign country – to a foreign country and then just be like, figure it out, I can do that. Um, and so I think that part of it is just where I come alive and um, – but that moment in Uganda, I will say, I think that sounds intimidating to some people when you don't, like, it seems like I knew it at the time. I definitely had no idea at the time. Like, I, I felt right. it, and I can look back and understand it, but I definitely had no idea what was going on then. Um, it was really the, the, the thing that caught my attention the most is when I got home, like, I had the stirring on the airplane, and I was like, I want to be in anti-human trafficking. This feels Right, but I had no idea what I was doing. But at, our pastor at the time, I, we attend or we used to attend like a small mega church. And the pastor, I didn't know, we didn't have a relationship with him at the time. But he called me on the phone, which was weird that he would call me. I didn't even know he had my mm-hmm. number. And he said, um, essentially the phone call was to say, hey, I just feel like you and Robbie are meant to devote your lives to anti-human trafficking. <laughs> I know, it sounds weird. Wow
1: yeah <laughs> no yeah. that's like what do uh, they call it, divine intervention or you know so th- yeah yeah that's when you know okay, yeah I mean I it could have
0: been this. more clear yes mm-hmm. I definitely was like okay how did you know that I just got back from I mean the the purpose of the trip yeah. wasn't even trafficking it was just to work with the extreme poor and so even if he had known that I was in Uganda there was no way that he could have known that I learned about human trafficking and so from there I kind of said, "Okay, tell me more. Tell me why." And then I just I read every book. I researched every article that I could because the thing that that bothered me the most is that I I really at the end of the day was like, how are there slaves still existing in the world and we do not talk about yeah. this and nobody nothing knows is about really being it. done. done yeah. Yeah, and this was before, now human trafficking is kind of like a hot, like everybody kind of knows about it, and in 2014, they released the Global Slavery Index, which kind of like set the world on fire for the fact that this was still happening, but at this time, it was 2014 when when I started, and so nobody really knew that this was even like slavery was still a thing, like would blow people's minds. Um, and so that's, I just kind of put one foot in front of the other and I followed those little breadcrumbs. And then um, the year that I started Mission Away, the Indian government, so I, I was invited to India to that organization that I partnered with at the time, said, if you really want to do this, India leads the world in human trafficking. You've got to go to India. And I said, no way. I was like, I have no interest in going to India at all. And then my husband and I went, but the Indian government kicked out every organization that was religiously affiliated. And so that meant that every organization was losing their funding, essentially. And that meant millions of children were going to be displaced and hungry and then, again, trafficked. And so... I came back home and started an organization that was not um, affiliated with a religion so that we could fund a safe home.
1: Uh, I love that. I love that you, (laughs) you know, looked at at something that seemed like a really kind of insurmountable obstacle um, in so many ways, you know, because faith is, you know, sounds, sounds like it's a very important part of your life. And the fact that you came back and you're like, I'm still called to do this and I don't have to do it necessarily in this box or so this way that I was doing it, I can still make an impact and make a difference. Uh, and yeah. and I can do it on my own, you know, rather than necessarily having to partner with other organizations. And um, you and I connected because right after your event, I think you guys were going maybe five or six months later um, on a tr- trip to India and I really wanted yeah. to go and just timing wasn't there for me. But I have to tell you, Brittany, I'm just going to put this out to the world. I'm going. When you go, I I am definitely going um, because I think this is something that I um, absolutely want to be a part of and, and see firsthand and see the difference that you can make. Um, so tell me a little bit about those trips when you, you you, do open them up, right, so people can go with you and volunteer and, and – help your
0: organization? Yeah. Well I just have to say first, when you said that I just got full body goosebumps. And that's kind of the way that I feel like your mind talks to me. Yeah, it's like when yeah. when I have a physical reaction. So You're like, thank you for sharing moment. that with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's um, gonna yeah, happen so girl. I believe it. I I've been dreaming about that next trip because I've been pregnant and now we're dealing with this right. crazy virus and so I'm like when are we going to go? But I feel, I definitely feel like there's a trip coming soon. Yes, um, Can't
1: wait.
0: Yeah. So I'll let you know when we get it, when we get the date set or we can just, we can work around your schedule. Um, I've been yeah, there. No, I nice. love people. it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But so before open,
1: the pregnancy, were you going uh, like once a year or? I, yeah. So you've we've had a couple. Once a
0: year. And then I would go with just the Mission 108 team to meet with the partners and the staff and make sure everything was okay and just have one-on-one time with the girls. And then we took a team, usually, of our donors once a year. It's
1: so incredible. It's so incredible. And so let's talk about, you know, you've had so much going on the last, gosh, 2014, really, um, you know, the start, the start of your organization and then two babies and all of that. Um, so let's unpack that a little bit. How has it been um, – how has motherhood – changed you and maybe changed especially because a lot of the work that you did I know is with children and um yeah how how has this whole experience changed you and maybe how will it change the work that you do moving forward?
0: Yeah I think so we adopted our first daughter Gypsy when she was five days old and I mean it still gives me like body trembles when I think about the foster care system. And human trafficking feels like this very dark. It is. It's the darkest industry in the world. But for a lot of people, I think it feels so out of touch, and we can't fathom that. Um, but 90% of trafficking starts within the home, and that's, like, the first thing whenever we have a donor or someone that we're taking on a trip, that's the first thing I tell people is because I want to really educate people on what human trafficking looks like, and it is, like, the movie Taken, when we go in the school system and educate people, we say, what do you think of when you think about human trafficking, and everyone says Taken, where it's, like, you know that movie with, I think it's Liam Neeson. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, a tiny percentage of what it looks like most trafficking starts within the home foster care systems um like i always tell people uh, are the brain. days of sleepovers where if, if we don't know mom dad and brother and whoever brothers friends are, that yep. are coming over like sleepovers will not happen um, yep. and and at first that feels like such a gut punch to parents because it's like that's nostalgia for us growing up but the amount of young girls that are that email me and tell me that XYZ happened and then I tell them there is a name for that, and that is called rape. Like the oh amount of God. young girls that don't yeah. know that they've been sexually assaulted and even raped is outstanding. And, and that's really because of the injustice that we do in education. And so just knowing yeah. that trafficking starts within a home changes everything. And so I get me back on track if you if you need me to but that's oh really my god no
1: it I it's, like, it's it's mind-blowing to me in so many ways and i i have two daughters that are going to be 13 in june and I, that's how i've always been i mean they always were like this yeah. is not fair i was like well if you want to have your friends can come here <laughs> sorry yeah but, you know like not happening not happening not happening yeah. not happening um and you know that's partly because my parents weren't aware of anything that was happening and didn't care and we were able to do whatever. And of course it led to some, some very um, scary things. And so I'm like, Nope, not going to happen. And I love that you are bringing that awareness because I don't think that people are, I'm always like kind of blown away <laughs> at how relaxed yeah. in a day, like, like we're living um, with, I feel like there there's starting to be more awareness, but um, I think parents are still just like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And um, so I'm so yeah. glad that you are doing this this awareness. And I think um, – so now, how old is your baby? Because you just, you just had your yeah, baby a couple she, months ago, right? She, right? She, so she's, two. Yeah, she's 10 weeks old and two years old. 10 weeks old and two. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. not only are you home – uh, stuck in your house like the rest of us for COVID, but you have a brand new baby and a two-year-old. Yeah. Um, so you have yeah. your hands full. Um, so I wanted to to ask you, too, so your, your husband um, plays – does he still play in the um, National Baseball League?
0: Well, that's just a big, fat question mark for us right now. He still wants to play, but he had – back surgery that ended his season and he's been trying to make his way back. So we'll see.
1: But he had played for a long time since you guys have been together. Your high school yeah. guys, right? So yes, when you, exactly. um, when you started this, you could have easily just done the wife thing. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I know many wives of professional athletes and there's a, it's a very busy life. Um, there's a lot of moving There's a lot of transition there's a lot on your plate um and I I think I'm curious as to you taking on um something like this when you know maybe that wasn't the norm what what yeah, caused it you to, wasn't take, the norm. yeah to take action even though that was certainly not kind of the norm of what you were around
0: I mean, I would love to give some, like, monumental answer, but what it comes down to is that I was sitting in the stands every single night waiting. My husband was a relief pitcher, so he came in, like, every couple of days for, like, six minutes or maybe ten. And I would sit there, and I would and I would be like, is this what my life is going to look like for the next decade? <laughs> like, I – cannot do this we weren't ready to have kids at the time and year after year I was just like I am so bored and this is not what my life can be this cannot be my life's purpose so I was just on a mission like I was like I will go work at anywhere I will be a greeter at any store that will take me but no one wants to take you when you're like well I'm not going to live here for very long so yeah um volunteering is how it started for me. And then when I started working with organizations and they saw that I had some knowledge, then that's when the work really began. And, and I got to find a purpose through that.
1: I love that so much. What advice do you have for women out there who are, you know, wives, mothers, um, have a calling, but they, they don't know how to balance it all or how to even – save time for themselves or figure out what it is they want to do, you know. Um how do they how do they start to find their purpose or their passion? Yeah, so
0: I have this friend Liz and she just wrote a book called Beginner's Pluck and she talks about this. We have this idea that purpose is this kind of like hidden treasure out there. And it's our job to, like, find it. And the lucky ones find their purpose. And I really am with Liz on this. If you haven't read her book, go read it. I just don't think that our purpose is this thing out there that the lucky people get to find and then everyone else kind of just, like, right. works nine to five and is miserable all the time. I think our purpose is within us. I think everybody has one. And I think you find it when you are brave enough to sit still and be quiet with yourself and um, a lot of times that means asking, asking yourself the hard questions. It's, it's usually the things that break our hearts that will lead us to our purpose. For some people, it can mm, be yeah. uh, mom had cancer, and you just cannot live in a world where cancer is taking your loved ones right. out. And for some people, it's like saving the whales. I don't know. But for me, it was human anti-human trafficking work, and I think we all have it. It, it can even be – it doesn't have to be something – in activism and volunteering, I think what it takes is a is a woman who's brave enough to sit still with herself and say, "What is it about the world that I don't like?" And what is it about the world that when I'm gone, I want to be able to say that I I did something to change it? Um, and and I I had the privilege of doing that before children. I think for a lot of women, um, we wait and we wait and we wait because we think that we only have the permission to do something when we have certain roles and titles. But, I, I mean, there's right. literally no better time than right now because we're all kind of sitting at home. Yeah, we Not have the time. to be able to busy ourselves. And, I mean, my my passion and what I love is seeing women come alive and, and finding their purpose. And I found mine and being able to see the girls in our safe home in India find their passion and their purpose. I'm like, if they can do it, if they've been – I mean, there is no greater yes. rock bottom than being rescued out of a brothel. And the trauma
1: they've been through, yeah. And, and being trauma, able to come out the yes. other side.
0: Yeah. And it's still incredible. finding joy. I'm like, every single American can figure out their passion, and it is possible if our girls in India and the safe house can do it. We can, can do it, do. yeah. I think
1: that uh, the thing that is so inspiring about your story is that, and I think a lot of women – can relate in that they they do feel called to something. Um, I've I've coached so many women and talked to so many women who are like, you know, I want to start this foundation, I want to help these people, I want to give to the homeless, I want to whatever. And I'm always like, just start doing it. And so the progression is kind of even how you started, you know, you just started volunteering, it wasn't like one day you woke up and you're like, I have to have this global NGO or nothing yeah. you know and I yeah. think a lot of people are like that they're like I have to start the organization that's going to change the world but until I can do that I'm just going to sit on the couch you know and yeah, it's like right. no go out and you know how many how many trips did you mention that you had before you started your organization so you were out there yeah, I mean a dozen, you were putting yeah. your foot in the water you were figuring it out you were also seeing what you liked and what you didn't like and that is so huge yeah. like get out there and before maybe you start, like, like that company yeah
0: yeah, like I, try I could just tell you all of the failures that I've had and all the setbacks. I just had a phone call this morning about one of the things that we're gonna have to fix. You know, and I think you cannot wait until you arrive at this idea of perfection to start. You just, oh, you amen. absolutely can't. Yeah, because you're. It will, it will completely
1: demobilize you. You know, and yeah. so I'm always saying like, figure out how you can start right now. And one of the best things ever, at least for me, is on-the-job training, I call it, you know, like I I worked a full-time job while I was figuring out, you know, how mm. to life coach, how to write a book, how to do all the things that I'm doing now full-time. Um, but that that was my on-the-job training, you know. I coached hundreds of people yeah. for free before I charged so that I knew I was a good coach, so that I knew what I thought worked, you know. And so I think the, the same as for you. You know, you partnered until you got to a place where you were like, this, this isn't working anymore. Now it's my time, you know, to just do my own thing. But all the, all the stuff that came before it was the education that allowed you to get to the place where you could, could do it. What, what do you have to say about um, uh, how we align ourselves with, and I know you have um, probably a, a great crew and, um, people who can be good advisors. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think uh, women sometimes are scared to share their ideas, especially with other women. Or, you know, I think that's changing. Um, But how can we kind of lean on others around us to help us build something if we maybe don't know all the aspects of it? Like, did you kind of go to your network and and get Uh, mentorship in some ways?
0: I think becoming a mom really humbled me (laughs) and helped me do that because before I had Mm -hmm. the time and I think for the first three years when I started Mission 108, I started every single meeting saying, hi, I'm Brittany Ross. I'm the CEO of Mission 108 and I have no idea what I'm doing. And that was the truth. That was not like me being like downing myself. I was like, I am here in a spirit of openness and I need to learn because I cannot lead this charge. I just, and doing it. And that really helped me keep myself humble. But then when I became a mom, like the humility really set in where I had to say, I need help. I just do not have the time or the energy. There are not enough hours in the day for me to do it all. And I really had to say, had to learn how to delegate and how to uh, like lean on my board to get stuff done. And that meant if, if they don't do it the way that I do it, then, that is fine. And the same in marriage, right? Like, this is like an ongoing yes. training. Where and the you same, same have in kind of
1: <laughs> You can yeah. let him change the diaper the way he changes the diaper. Everything's yes. going to be
0: okay. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, yes. my girlfriend the other day called me, and she's like, how do you – because we put a lot of our lives on social media, my husband and I, and people are kind of shocked that we have. We've been together for over a decade. I don't even really know how long. We still I like each actually other. I was
1: shocked when I just read. I was like, holy shit, you guys have been married. You were married, what, 2010? You've been married, yeah, a decade. Yeah. That's, you guys are the yeah. cutest, by the way. I'm obsessed with your feed. Your <laughs> and,
0: I mean, we still really like each other. And we're at the age right now, which it's, we call it, like, divorce season. We're all, my friends, because we've been married so long, are calling me, and they're like, hey, did you yeah. go through this? Did you yes. not? And I'm like, all of it's normal. And like, trust me. But we do. So I mean, I really dig him. I like him a lot. But it's because we both are like, you've got to do it your way. And and I'm probably going to tell you that you did it absolutely terrible. But that's just like we have to. I don't know. There's like this American. Yeah, you have to
1: almost kind of have that that respect to be like, yeah, I, I will let you it's, you do it. I'll, I'll let have you to do it your right time. time. Even if I know
0: that it's going to end badly, I'm going to just let you do it. You know? <laughs> I'm just going to so, watch
1: that. I'm going to sit up here at popcorn and watch
0: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what helps me with being married to someone who does things the exact opposite as I would. That's what helps me rely on other women for building mission one oh eight I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Can we do you feel um, comfortable talking
1: about um baby and kind of how that process went? It's not yeah. like a miracle happened in there. I know there's so yeah. many women out there who just just hearing that miracles can happen for someone yeah. give them yeah. so much hope. Um, so yeah, whatever you feel comfortable, I would love to to know how that beautiful miracle has happened and I, I Lucky because I've been following you on Insta, and I get to see the yeah. first pictures of baby and all of that. Um, how did that come about? She is,
0: she is, girl, like she is such a miracle. Both of my children are such miracles. At first, just want to say anyone who's listening, if you're in a season of waiting, or if you've just been diagnosed with fertility problems, like I, I have been there, and I 100% get it, and I try to be super sensitive of that. Um, because the reality is, and I had to come to this reality, is that you some people might not have biological children and, or you mm-hmm. might set out to adopt and adoption might fail. Um, and so I just yeah. want to be sensitive to that. And, and know that that season of my life was very real. And we, I had completely laid down having biological children. We always wanted mm-hmm. to have biological children and adopt, and we thought we would do both at the same time because I'm an idiot and crazy and for some reason just think I want to do yeah, – yeah. I want to make my life really hard. Do it all. Do it all. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. Um, but we we – so we started the adoption process after my third miscarriage because we realized like, hey, this is probably not going to happen when we wanted to. And I thought we would do international adoption with the plan of, you know, it taking like three or more or more years to adopt. And uh, we ended up not doing that. We ended up doing a private domestic adoption. And that adoption failed. We walked through seven months oh, of pregnancy God. with a birth mom. Yeah, we kept it a complete secret from literally everyone. Oh, and that adoption failed. And then 10 days later, our social worker called us and said, hey, I don't want to get your hopes up. There's a baby. And three days after uh, that phone call, we brought a baby home from the hospital and showed up on our parents' doorstep with a baby. Oh and my God. I think that video, you can find it on YouTube. We put it, just look up the Ross Juniors on YouTube. Um, and we literally shocked, like, everyone. And it's their real reactions because for years, I mean, everyone who'd followed us on social media, all of our friends and family, our entire staff in India had been praying over my wounds just hopeful for a baby and it was like every yeah. single door we tried to open would close. I mean, you try to get pregnant, three miscarriages, a failed adoption, like it was just, just so, really, so much heartbreaking really, there.
1: There's yeah, there's so many so, so many places where you could have turned around and just said, My heart can't take it anymore. You know, I can't put I, the hope and in I it did. anymore.
0: I, re- I yeah. did that a few times, but there is no, anyone who's struggled with fertility knows that there is no stronger desire in the world than once you decide you want to become mm-hmm. a mom, every day after that feels like a million years. Yeah. And oh I just got goosebumps again just thinking about that, that season of my life. So we adopted this amazing five-day-old baby, bring her home. Um, in that time, I'm still getting, you know, we're still hopeful for biological children. I'm still go- getting testing and going to medical doctors. They cannot figure out what's wrong with me, so I'm seeing a naturopath, and uh, we kind of figure out what's going on. Going on, And at the time, my husband was playing for the Boston Red Sox, so I'm seeing, like, the top fertility doctor in the country, and yeah. he is like, listen, it's not going to happen for you. He's like, your womb is not a safe place for a child, you've been, you've oh, put your body God. through enough. Like you really need to just, um, cause I wasn't just pregnant three times. I was pregnant three times in one year and, oh. um, it was 10 weeks, six weeks and 13 weeks. So my body just went through like yes. absolute hell. Yeah. For a year. Um, and he just said, you know, it, doctors nowadays don't like to say you are infertile because that's so final right. that, Science yeah. isn't really supposed to do that, but he he kind of said it's not going to happen for you, and so I put it to rest. Like I was, I was happy to move on to so finally have an, an, a semi-answer, um, and then we finalized our adoption when Gypsy was six or seven months old, and then when she was thirteen months old, I woke up one morning and was like, you know, I felt this feeling before. This is this is. Uh, I'm not yeah. I don't think I'm supposed to be feeling this way, Ugh.
1: and I was pregnant. <laughs> Oh, my God! girl! So I think there's oh there's so much so much there, and I just want to give my own energy, and I know your energy is there. Love to all the women out there who are going through something similar, and I know personally many who are um who who, who have been through it um but there's there's also something powerful that you said that I think can relate to everyone listening. Which was sometimes when we want something so bad, we almost block it in a way. Like, would you agree, like, when when it is all you can think about and you're so consumed, it's almost like the energy that goes into it is tight, Yeah, if, if that makes any yeah. sense. and And kind of, in a way, it was a blessing that he even though it's awful that he said that because it allowed your energy to break free, to kind of let yeah. go in a way that could allow what is meant for you to happen. Does that kind of make sense? So. And I know it sounds strange in this yeah. context, but I've, I've seen it happen so many times. I've seen it happen with manifesting the love of your life with so many things. Mm. It's like when we want something with such fierceness without even knowing it, even if we're coming at it from a place of love, we're we're adding um a lot of tension to it. And then sometimes if we can find whatever that threshold is that we can actually let it go, that the universe is like, Here you go.
0: Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was drowning in I lost complete sight of actually having a baby. Like I can say that now because every day right. became like I gotta do this so that my body can Carry yeah, a child. and it was really really intense, me. right yeah. I was drowning I mean the the actual physical feeling that I felt was like I was drowning every day and I could barely breathe and and through I mean it wasn't like I went to the doctor and he said you're infertile and then I was like okay good my entire journey has been this journey of surrender because I I yeah. suffer with anxiety and um, that that can <laughs> Turn turned yes. into a lot of control a lot of other issues yeah. Yeah. where you're trying so hard to control everything. I feel like I've been, like, striving at this quarantine life because I'm, like, this is my life where I have yeah. – I feel <laughs> – everyone's, like, we have no control. And I'm, like, this is how I feel every day. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, once yeah. I did the work and surrendered, it took about a year. And surrendered, like truly surrendered. Because there were times where I tried to manipulate their surrender. You know, when you're like, okay, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm yep. not really oh, for mad sure. at the person anymore, but you really are. Um, yeah, I, I had to continually surrender and peel back layers of myself. And it's just that thing that I said, sitting still with yourself. And, and my therapist actually said to me one day, so what are you going to do if you just cannot become a mom? And I was like, um, well, I'm going to be really angry. And then she was like, and then what? And it, wow. it was that process of, like, oh, you know, like, one day, I guess I won't. Like, being that angry yeah. takes a lot of energy. And and then I was, like, yeah, I, I need to work. I, I need to start working with the current instead of against the current. And for me, it was yep. never about having biological children. I think that's what's so shocking about my story is, like, adoption was not a plan B. It was always a part of my story. Of the plan. It was yeah. always a part of my plan. And I had to just say, like, I'm just mad at myself that I that I couldn't. I felt like my body was broken. I felt like it was failing me, and I was really just mad that I couldn't do something that I wanted to do. And once we adopted, I was like, "Gosh, the need to be a mom is fulfilled." I right, I don't you're like I am a mom. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, that that, people that, that all the is. Time. Yeah.
1: It's it's such a powerful, powerful story because now when you were going through the year of surrender, let's call it,
0: were
1: were there any things that you were, like any practices that you did, prayer, meditation? Were you saying things to yourself? Like I believe so strongly in mottos and mantras. I mean, literally, they lead the path for who I'm becoming all the time. So I'm always saying things that don't exist at all right now that I don't feel at all right now in order to become yeah. it, I guess. Was there any of that Did you going on in that Instagram? year that helped you? you know? No. <laughs> you know this story? No, I'm so crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, I
0: well, I knew this. So, I know this so about you. I
1: always want to get, yeah, I just, I want to get inside people's heads. I, like, want to get in there and swim and be like, what was going on in your head?
0: <laughs> because I think it is so I know powerful. that you do this. Yeah, it's so powerful. Because of your really book and it. your work. Yeah, no one talks about it. And, you know, yes. Everything that you exude, it, it stands on this because you've talked about the future boards and if yeah. you want, I mean, you're, you're going our life with our, this yeah. exact thing. Yes. So, yes, the answer is yes. I had a mantra. So I, yes, meditation and yoga. I'm a certified yoga teacher, practice yoga. It has like so much helped me with my anxiety mm-hmm. and just, you know, Cleaned there's your mind I, it's, yep. I have my best ideas in yoga class. Best ideas ever. So in a yoga class, when it was the beginning of last year in January, I kept getting this mantra. Like We talk about mantras. Um, And it was just, it's time to heal. It's time to heal. That's literally going to be a chapter in my book is it's time to heal. I've seen the word heal everywhere. It was right around the time. I don't know if you watched the documentary on Netflix called Heal. I think it was called Heal. Maybe it's called something no, else. No, but it's I will time. have to watch it because i oh, it's so it's all about the power of the mind and, like, all of these people mm. who, like, cure themselves of cancer and all of this stuff. Obviously, with – Oh, my God, I have to watch that. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's it's how so powerful, powerful our mind really
1: is. It's like, that's yes. what – I'm on a mission to, to bring awareness to that in so many ways because I think we're constantly looking – for everything, like looking outside ourselves all the yeah. time. For literally, give me whatever that magic easy button is that I can push. Yeah, it's like if we were just quiet and changed what was happening in our mind. Boom, that is your easy button. Like it is the thing yeah. that will change everything for you. And I love that that heal was your your mantra, or your motto through that year because that is really what probably allowed you to relax into oh. allowing. What yeah. the universe was trying to bring, you know?
0: And I didn't. It was not paving it. the way. Like you talk about this, you say it. Like it feels super vulnerable too, because mm-hmm. you're like, "What an idiot!" Like I'm saying, I'm saying this. I, I mean, I can't. Yeah, that's, silly, that I that's Even stupid. felt. <laughs> yeah, I felt stupid writing it in my journal, it, which no one would yeah. ever see. But like saying I was going to heal, was... Yeah. And I had even blocked off, like, I didn't even mean I'm, I'm going to heal and get pregnant. I really just meant, like, I need to heal of, like, the control that just all getting of pregnant has on me. Yes, and it set me free. Like, and yep. then I, I'm still now in this, like, weird thing because when you lay something down and you, like, I feel like my, my faith background is, is Christianity and I don't really yeah. know what, if they would claim me still, but, you know, yeah. Like yes. we have our own, own when, so, yeah You know. <laughs> yes. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, like he died, you know, and everyone mourned him. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I went through. Like I mourned my fertility and it it died. And yeah. then to have it come back to life. It felt like in the I most beautiful be way. Thankful in the most beautiful way. But in between there, like now that I have River, I'm like, yes, She's a miracle. But those nine months of pregnancy felt so fragile and so scary. because Probably so scary. Yeah. I knew that that I had already put this to rest. And then to have something growing inside of me that felt near impossible, I really right. felt like uh, every day Ooh. I'm holding so my breath. So how do
1: fear? Can we talk about fear yeah. and how you manage fear and doubt in that because I think Ugh. a lot of people are self manifesting their, their worst case scenarios all the time just yeah. by especially feeding right now fear yeah just by feeding fear like that's that's it if they just stop feeding it let alone turning it but yeah just yeah allowing you know they're just stoking the fire of fear and doubt all the time and then they're like well why is nothing working out it's like oh my god <laughs> like stop pouring gasoline on it um, but but yeah. what you went through has has gotta been really tough because you had lost three pregnancies so it was very real. Um, how did you mentally manage
0: it for those nine months? It was one of the hardest seasons. Even it was even more challenging than the miscarriage season because I did have this husband and this daughter that was like needed me. You know, when I was miscarrying, Robbie was traveling and he was on the road with baseball and essentially like I could just lay in bed for a week and and deal with myself. But I had to stand right right now and and the fear that I was going through just I felt so scared that if I if we lost the baby, like what was gonna happen to me, what was going to happen to the baby. And so there was a lot of and I was also so miserably sick, like physically sick with the baby, uh, with pregnancy that it was really hard, but I did something called hypno babies. Have you ever heard of it? No,
1: but I think I'm gonna love it. All right, okay. it's
0: so it's basically it sounds insane when I first heard of it. I was like, oh, really? Hypnotize yourself? But hey, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, really I've, re- I do self help, help hypnosis all the time through
0: YouTube videos. It's really great. Like it yes. does
1: help your subconscious like change those. Oh my gosh, thoughts the ones that you and are really struggling to change on a conscious level. It really helps. Yes. And that's the key. Like,
0: for a lot of us, like, mantras and yoga can help. But when you have deeply embedded subconscious thoughts yeah. that you are not even aware of, it, you, and, and that's what it was for me. This was the deepest level of my subconscious that was telling me every day, you are broken. You're going to lose the baby. What's going to happen oh, to you if you lose baby?" Yeah. I had to tap into my subconscious through hypnobabies. And every day I listened to self-hypnosis tracks. Every single day for the last, like, 10 weeks of my pregnancy to rewire my brain because um, I'm a biracial woman and statistically in in America, like, women of color um, have a higher mortality. Babies and moms have a higher mortality rate. And so I had, like, statistics not on my side, but also this, like, I have miscarried and there is a race. Right right strong chance that something could go wrong and, and so I had to work really hard and I couldn't do yoga because I was so sick and so I did hip, hip, hypnosis and oh my god I, I love mean, this it's the only reason I got through 30 hours yes. of labor I, I, it I it so love me so you
1: did something about it you know again you're thinking yeah. outside of the of the box like a problem presents itself and you're like okay well how do I I can't do the things that I was normally doing, but I'm also not just going to sit here and take it. And that is everything. Like, that's, yeah. that is what I'm always trying to find ways to convey to people because I think we just get really stuck. We're like, oh, well, you know, I can't do the thing that I normally did, so now I don't know what to do. And I love that you fought those voices actively. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. I'm not going to let you take me down. I'm not going to let you – um you know build my anxiety around this and and make me feel out of control and so you found something that works and I'm I'm a huge advocate of um guided meditations and I listen to yeah. uh, guided um hypnosis on YouTube all the time and and it can work you guys for those of you who don't know it just please go on YouTube and figure it out because you can do it for anything you can do it for abundance you can yeah. do it for weight loss you can do it for anything that you're carrying subconscious beliefs about, because here's the thing. If we don't change that belief, the belief is the thing that's always looking for validation. And so it's always the main driver of manifesting an outcome. So if we don't change that belief, like the belief doesn't change from um, I'm broken and I can't have a baby to I'm, I'm healed and you know, I'm going to be an amazing mother and I'm going to take care of this baby until it comes. Then, you know, we're fighting ourselves and, such an intense way that isn't necessary. And so I, I'm so glad that you brought that up, that um, there are so many tools and tricks that we can do, even if we don't innately feel that way. We can create yeah. it. We can change that voice. And it's, oh, girl, yeah. it's so powerful. And just c- huge congratulations. You have the most Thank adorable you. family. Y'all have got to go Thank follow you. her. She's Britt, B-R-I-T-T underscore Ross. 108 on Instagram Um, where else can we learn more about
0: you uh, connect with you I
1: know what you're doing
0: mission 108 has an Instagram Um, it's just mission 108 so you can go follow us there and um, then go to mission 108's website it's www.mission108.com you can email me Follow me on Instagram. I cannot deal with, like, Facebook and Twitter and all the other. I don't even know. Me either. I'm just Instagram. Do you have TikTok? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't TikTok does the clock. Like, no. I don't even know. So Instagram yeah. is just, just find me there.
1: <laughs> no, I love it. And you're working on a book, you said, so we cannot wait yeah, for that. I know. I to need read to talk your story. to you about this. I know. Thank let's so let's much. connect. Let's do this. I cannot wait to read your story. So thank you so much, Brittany, for sharing this, for being so vulnerable, for opening up about all of these uh, things that we talked about today. It was super powerful for me. So I can only imagine um, how much it is for all the women out there. And you guys, if you got value from today's please, please connect and let us know. That's how we know that this matters um, and share it with the rest of the world. Uh, And thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Brittany.
0: Thank you so much. Yay. That was awesome.